I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is your main event, Mark's Podcast. I'm your first host, lifelong wrestling fan, former radio guy, cat dad, and the man who will never forget the Alamo. I am Troy. And with me, as always, is the main event collector and figure hunting warrior. He's the WWE walking wrestling encyclopedia and the Farouk to my Ahmed Johnson. You're going down. It's Greg. What's up, Greg? Damn. I will never forget the Alamo. I will be at the Alamo in like eight days as I'm recording this. No, seven days. Yeah. Well, as as of the posting of this, uh, I I can't calendar, bro. So let me see. Uh, this is posting just days before you'll be at the uh, at uh, the Alamo Dome. So there you go. I'm definitely looking forward to it. Going to go to a buddy's house and watch it. So uh, I'm not just. <laughs> well, it's better than be sitting and uh, being a lonely a hole sitting in my room just watching it up with headphones on. I guess I don't know. You're you're gonna be off having fun. You watch uh, with watching headphones it live. On? Say what? You watch it with headphones on? Yeah, most of the time. I watch it on my uh, laptop and got the headphones in so I can actually hear the damn thing. But because there's always crap going on, you know, somebody's watching something on TV around here. So, but either way, this one we're going back in time. I can't math, bro. So how many years is this? Twenty. Three, four, five, six, 26 years in the past to, uh, I, I don't know. I like this rumble. You said you like this rumble. It got some not so great ratings. So I think we're in the minority of thinking this is a great rumble. I don't know. But there was a lot going on in 1997. Uh, 1997 was a big year, I think, in all of wrestling. ECW had WCW's first... best year ever. Yeah, it was, it was historic. WWF had some cool stuff going on. Uh, isn't this the year that ECW had their first pay-per-view? Yeah, April, I believe. Yeah, so big stuff went on this year, and this was just the kickoff of it all. I don't know, man. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't know why this Rumble gets the, the hate it does. I mean, not all matches are classics or anything, but I don't know. I thought the Rumble match itself was uh, interesting. Don't tell Russo, because he'll, he'll feel like he's vindicated. Nobody cares about Mexicans, bro. Good lord. Did he say that? 
Ah, yeah. Well, you see, what are they? Lucha, li- Lucha Libras? Where you want your Lucha Libras? Go down to Mexico, bro. Well, there was a lot of them on the show. Yeah, I know. I, I think that was a. Uh, Nobody uh, wants have, Mexicans, bro. They want stuff on a pole, bro. Real life. Right. Uh, I think this was heavily pushed, the, the Lucha Libres, at least. I think that was heavily pushed by, like, Bruce Pritchard. I know he's got fondness for, for Lucha and all that. Oh, he's and, from uh, Texas. It's a big thing in Texas, so. Right. And, and no, knows, that's not a stereotype thing. Don't come at me. It's a uh, real I thing. Mean, Look it up. Oh, well, of course. Yeah, I mean, and it, it's on the border of Mexico, so, you, you know, I mean, it just makes sense. And he used to Get watch this, a lot of Houston in San Diego, wrestling. too. Oh! <gasps> I know that blows my mind, <laughs> but yeah. So uh, he he used to watch the luchas come into to Houston, and then obviously the Guerreros were who are Mexican by descent are you know they were they were being yeah, Mexican royalty exactly. So he he knew a lot of that, and he were he knew these these uh you know the people running the companies in in Mexico, and he uh, speaks fluent Spanish. So I know it was. Heavily pushed by him, he he liked the idea, but it just—I don't know if it really translated to uh, the WWF audience, unfortunately. And there's something like—I don't know about you, but there's something in the the match, the Lucha Libre match we'll get to. That Vince was throwing me off bad. I, like he was having me second guess myself. I'm like, wait a minute, is he wrong or am I wrong? What's going on? Uh, I I think he was wrong, but we'll we'll, well get to it. Well, you're wrong. Yeah, I, I just, oh God, uh, we'll we'll get to it. It's like the Dusty Rhodes thing where uh, Dave Meltzer had had like criticized uh, Dusty Rhodes' commentary because he he always talked about whenever the Luchas were out there, Dusty Rhodes never mentioned one of them by name, and he just talked about anything but the match going on. At least Vince talked about the match, but there was something I'm like, ah, I think he's wrong here, but we'll we'll get to it. Either way. Uh, before we get into our first break, though, time out here real quick to let you know that the main event marks is sponsored by Swift Lifestyles. They are clean energy drinks and focus enhancers, great tasting vitamins and big brain nootropics that are made and shipped from the USA. Go to SwiftLifestyles.com and use our special promo code main event marks, all one word to get 15 percent off your order. It's main event marks, all one word to get 15 percent off your order at checkout. Now we're going to take our first break on the other end of this, diving into the news and notes, and there's plenty of it for January of 1997, right after this. Follow the Main Event Marks at Facebook.com forward slash Main Event Marks pod, on Twitter at Main Event underscore Marks, and on Instagram at Main Event underscore Marks, and at Main Event Collector. Get ready to rumble! In your new Main Event Marks merchandise, we've got t-shirts, hoodies, masks, hats, stickers, pins, and much more on our Redbubble store. That's maineventmarks.redbubble.com. You can also pick up some awesome clothing items with the latest updated show graphics on our Bonfire store. That's bonfire.com slash store slash main event marks. Support your favorite retro wrestling podcast and pick up some cool swag on our Bonfire and Redbubble stores. That's maineventmarks.com redbubble.com and bonfire.com slash store slash main event marks. Hey gang, it's Commissioner Cooper of TSS Fantasy. We are the fantasy show of the people. 
expert fantasy advice, free contests, leading expert medical and legal analysis, and most importantly, you. Interact with us on all social media platforms or check us out at tssfantasy.com. You can hear us on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and many more. Check out the fun today and be a part of the most interactive fantasy show around. TSS Fantasy, the fantasy show of the people. main event marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on youtube find all of our links on our link tree at linktr.ee forward slash main event marks and we're back we're back real quick we want to let you know that the main event marks is sponsored by shocked energy shocked energy is a healthier alternative to traditional energy drinks that gives the energy that gamers need while in a long session without skimping on their health Their products come in a powder form, and you mix them into water. You can either choose from green apple or watermelon. You can also try both if you get their sample kit. Use our special link that is down in the podcast description, or you can simply go to shockedenergy.com at checkout. Use the promo code MAINEVENT, all one word, to save 10% on your order. That's promo code MAINEVENT, and you're going to save 10% at checkout. Do you like your coffee like you like your podcasts? Gimmick and politics free? Well, so do we here at the Main Event Marks, and so do the guys and gals at Coffee Brand Coffee, where they ditch the gimmicks. You see, when you buy your coffee from other roasters, chances are that they've been sitting on the shelf for heaven knows how long. Don't rob yourself of freshness. At Coffee Brand Coffee, they roast to order, ensuring that you get the freshest coffee possible. And as Greg will tell you, that's what counts. Coffee Brand Coffee offers bagged coffee as well as K-Cups. And for the non-coffee people, they offer a variety of teas and cocos. Just click on the link down to the podcast description or go to coffeebrandcoffee.com and use our promo code MAINEVENT, all one word, at checkout to get 5% off your order. That's coffeebrandcoffee.com and use the promo code MAINEVENT to save 5% at checkout. News and notes time. Oh, I don't have anything to crack today. I'm just drinking bottled water. Oh, yeah. Two yeah, weeks in a row. Well, earlier I was uh, drinking coffee not too long ago. so uh, And I was drinking, hey, everybody, I was drinking it out of uh, a Main Event Marks mug. So. Oh, I am I am eating Wingstop. Can we get them to sponsor us? Uh, yes, please. <laughs> uh, or, hey, uh, a local place, sort of, or at least I think it's, more of an Ohio place. I don't see it around anywhere else, but it's called Roosters. Uh, I usually get chicken wings from there uh, every time I watch pay-per-view with my buddy that I'm going to see uh, the Royal Rumble with. So, uh, hey, you guys can sponsor us, and I'll gladly eat your wings all day long and talk about how awesome they are. And they give you, like, big-ass juicy ones, not like the the little ones where you're oh, like... Oh, yeah? <laughs> God. But you ever get those chicken wings where you're like, oh, that's like a bite? <laughs> Uh, well, yeah. Yeah, these these ones, like, it's damn near a whole leg. It's like, holy cow. Or, you know, chicken. Do you remember that place we went to when I landed in Columbus? That barbecue place? Uh, well, that was yeah, chicken. City, yep. Oh, yeah, City Barbecue. Yeah, you guys can sponsor us, too. They they just put one that in uh, not too flipping far. flipping amazing. Oh, yeah. My dad, uh, they used to only have it in Columbus. My dad would bring it home when he would go on business trips to Columbus. I always knew he was bringing home city barbecue, so I'd be waiting on him. (laughs) 
either way, uh, I guess we've done enough pandering to uh, local restaurants. But first up here, uh, well, I got to I got to queue it up early this week because it's it's actually the top couple of stories we got. This week in ECW. If I may have another volley. By me, sir. Rick Rude made a surprise appearance in ECW last week. Rude wore a mask. This is how you know he's hurting for money. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, Rude wore a mask backstage the entire time to try to disguise who he was. But, of course, everyone figured it out. Uh, was it the same mask he wore as the Halloween? Uh, the, what was it? The Halloween Havoc Phantom? Phantom, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because we can't tell by the rippling muscles and that big effing stash. Well, it was either him or Tom Selleck. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but then when he came I dream to of having the... a stash like that. Oh, yeah. That's it's iconic. That came out she... wrong on my face. That came out <laughs> wrong, too. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, what? When he shaved it off, it was like, what the hell, man? Like, ew, put it back. Anyway, uh, then when he came to the ring, the fans That's had like, figured uh, when Cardone gets mad at uh, Karrion Cross for shaving his head. You got all that nice hair you shave off. You're such a piece of crap. Oh, you do that. He looks like a completely different person. I didn't recognize <laughs> him when he grew his hair because I only knew him as Baldy. I was like, oh, okay. Shaved the goatee, grew the hair. Like, you know, it was right. weird for me. Yes, when you say that about Rick Rude, he looked weird without the mustache. He, to me, he looked weird with the full beard when he was in DX. That's uh, what looked weird to me. Wait, who was it? When Rick Rude had the full beard in DX. Oh, yeah. See, to me, that's what looked weird. I was able to get past the non mustache. Yeah, that was. It was weird. And then when he went to when he. When he went from WWF and hopped over to WCW, didn't he shave the beard and just have the stash again? I can't remember. Uh, yeah, that was the whole thing. He was on Raw with a full beard. He was on Nitro with just a stash. Yeah, that was that was <laughs> part of the whole thing. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah. But anyway, uh, but either way, when he came to the ring, fans figured it out as well. Rude never ended up taking the mask off. It ended up... <laughs> Ravishing Rick, the worst kept secret in wrestling history, apparently. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Uh, it ended up leading to the return of Pitbull number one, who had been out of action for several months after legitimately uh, suffering a broken neck from Shane, uh, Shane Douglas DDT. Rick Rude has been rumored to be heading to the WWF when his Lloyds of London disability insurance policy runs out with many so saying big, that your story on that. <laughs> right. Uh, with many saying that he'd be heading there in late spring. But WWF officials have denied the rumors and those close to Rude. Well, and, yeah, uh, well, yeah, give it a little bit. Uh, and those close to Rude insist that he will never wrestle again after suffering a back injury in a 1994 match with Sting in Japan. Uh, that it's uh, funny. I watched that the other day and I just realized, too, why was the ring set up the way it was set up? That's why he got hurt because of the stupid ass setup. It's always set up that way in Japan. Do you remember? Uh, it, no, I don't watch remember that. Well, when we um, watched Wrestle Kingdom 8, remember we, we were talking about when Bad Luck Fale got put through the table and he like I fell off okay, that I remember platform. that now. I didn't realize it was the same thing until just now. Yeah. But I'm not watching. Okay, let, okay let, me, let me retract. Let me restate it. Why was WCW's ring set up like that? I think they had, it might just, if they were in the dome, the Tokyo Dome that is, God dang it, pronouns, pal. Uh but if they were in the Tokyo Dome, maybe that's just how it has to be set up. 
so or, people can see, like WrestleMania three. It it maybe um or if it uh, a lot of those arenas are set up like sumo halls, so I think it's just naturally on a platform. I could. Why would you want to have sumo wrestling wrong. on a platform? That makes no sense to me. Uh, <sighs> I I don't know. So you want five, six, seven hundred pound guys falling off that? <laughs> right. Yeah. I, like I said, I have no clue. That's just my best. I'm guess sure there's a reason. Can. I'm sure we're going to get told this. I know we well, will. Actually, God, same people that downvoted my Dave Meltzer wants you to die video. <laughs> I upvoted it, so. Yeah, there you go. I don't know hey, why the hell. Bumping it up. That makes no sense, but. Right. But well, uh, anyways. Well, for those saying that uh, Rick Rude will never wrestle again, I have to say. That is correct. Uh, unfortunately. To my knowledge, took another bump. Uh, no. I could be wrong on that, but I said to my knowledge, but. I never. Right. I don't think I've seen it. Well, and that was a big thing when he went to WCW. Was uh, I guess that's why. Well, I'll, I'll get in the second part later. But he wanted WCW to pay off whatever he owed on his yeah. insurance policy. Whatever. Yeah, Bischoff so, confirmed this, right? Yeah, and and uh, that was so he could wrestle again. And they said, "Yeah, we're not going to do that because I mean, we're not going to make enough money off of you to justify that and whatever." And Rude got mad, and he blamed Bischoff, and by extension, his family blamed Bischoff. So when Eric Bischoff went to Rick Rude's funeral to pay respects, they went off, like, I guess his wife went off on him and kicked him out of the funeral. So, yeah, I know, it's like, that's effed up. Like, because, because he wouldn't pay a crap ton of money so that your husband could wrestle again, like... I, also, I wouldn't do that unless Bischoff was directly responsible for his death. Right. I, yeah. Why like, would you do that? He's he's showing up to try to pay respects. Like, good grief. According to the honky tonk man, he died by via his own hand, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. After he injected steroids into his his dong and it got black and fell off, and he got so depressed he killed himself. Like, oh god. Uh, real story, folks. Why Go does? Why does every like honky tonk man said this about somebody story? I, it's always about somebody's actually, dong. We've, always, we've been over this. I'm pretty sure we did before. And I said, that's exactly what honky tonk man does. He doesn't like you. He's going straight for your dick. <laughs> Goes right for the package. I remember when he got mad at Bret Hart. He said he couldn't get his thing hard. Because <laughs> yes. Goldberg kicked him. Yeah. Kicked so hard. He can't get his wang hard anymore. Like, good God, man. It's always about dick with him. <laughs> I feel like we, I vividly remember us talking about this before. Yeah, we had. Uh, there's actually a clip in uh, <laughs> on our YouTube. If anybody goes, I, I think it's something about honky tonk man loves, you know, whatever. <laughs> uh, go look it up. It's I. I. I'm personally. I. I know. I make the uh, the thumbnails, so I'm kind of biased here. But I don't know why I, the hell. I lol'd. <laughs> I don't understand though. Like, why is that a thing? I don't like you, so I'm gonna talk about your penis. Uh, it makes you wonder if uh, you know he's hiding something. Just saying. I mean, I, I, you know, what we got here a tiny wanger. <laughs> I just like every- the whole bar the other day. <laughs> that was Stan wow. Hansen talking to the little lackeys. <laughs> Here's Louis nice. Stan Hansen. What we got here a tiny wanger. <laughs> Good lord. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that uh, 
God, something. But anyway, to finish this up, though, Rude claimed his injuries were career-ending in a lawsuit he filed against WCW. Paul Heyman has said that the masked wrestler won't ever wrestle in ECW, but will continue to make thus appearances. Negating, thus negating the whole name, the masked wrestler. Yeah. Right. Uh, thus, uh, or, But he will continue to make appearances leading up to the first ECW pay-per-view in April. He eventually takes a damn mask off because I remember there's a famous clip. It's after you like make out with Francine or something and take it off or something like that. Uh, maybe the one the clip I've seen that you'd never get away with anything like this. Now he picks up Francine in like a powerbomb position and like, oh, God, I can already picture it. And he like carries her off like that. And she's like struggling to get away while he's carrying her away like that. And it's like. God, ECW is that? Yeah, right. Uh, oddly enough, Rick Rude's character fit right in. <laughs> Not even Tony Khan does this crap. Want to point out? Nope. Uh, I don't think TK is a was a fan of ECW. Maybe, maybe he was. I don't. I don't know. But no, he's clearly a fan of Nitro. Uh, no, Greg. It. Uh, he. You know, he's nothing. Li- Dynamite's nothing like Nitro. He's not modeling oh, no, anything no. after no, Nitro. No, no. Yeah. Right. So ECW is scrambling to get all the legal and, and insurance red tape done for their pay-per-view to air on April 13th. That's a 90-day deadline before the show where the promotion is required to have all the necessary insurance and legal stuff done and absolve wow. <laughs> to absolve a request TV in case anything unexpected happens, which, I mean, you know, good yeah, call. That's kind of cra- crazy to me what you just said there about that. As you look at the, the years build going up to 97, WWE and mm-hmm. WCW are throwing new pay-per-views every single every other month. A new pay-per-view is popping up, so they're just putting yep. out pay-per-views and they're struggling to put out one over here. What does that tell <laughs> right. you? Yep. Well, it's it's because of this, uh, you know, the legal wranglings and stuff. Which I mean, if I was Request TV, I, I think that's smart. I'd do the same thing after seeing their product. It's like, look, I'll, okay, you but know, I'm gonna I'm gonna use a Dana Whiteism here. They have hardcore porn on pay-per-view. And wrestling, he used to say this about UFC when they couldn't get on pay-per-view. You couldn't get this on there because there's fighting. But you could see people doing that stuff on pay-per-view. Like, why is that okay, but the violence is not? Well, I don't get the logic there. It might be the particular pay-per-view provider. I don't know if they're showing it. I mean, they might be. I don't know what what Request TV shows or showed. I don't know if they're... It says anything about TCI. I know that was... That's now what Comcast is, I believe. Oh, okay. But, yeah, I mean, <laughs> with some of the stuff that happened in ECW, yeah, I'd probably want extra insurance, too. You know, just in case. You know, uh, I Request TV cannot be sued for anything that may or may not happen at that show. But they have to get the paperwork done in time in order well, to totally guarantee... Yeah. Right. Uh, in order to guarantee the April 13th date... If ECW can't get it done in time, the pay-per-view would likely be pushed back to June because Request doesn't want to add another pay-per-view in May because they've already had or they already have several major events scheduled for that month: boxing, WWF, WCW, and UFC. Yeah, May is a big month for boxing. Single mile. Right. Yeah, I know uh, Canelo. Right, or was it is it Canelo that fights? Canelo now. Canelo does usually May and September. That okay. used to be, I, I believe it used to be Mayweather's, uh, Mayweather's months. 
Oh, okay. But, you know, uh, Cinco de Mayo, Mexican independence, of course, can always on there. <laughs> right. Uh, also here, ECW is doing an angle with Terry Funk where he's back, saying that it's his last chance to uh, yeah. be the world champion. I'm sure it is. Yeah. The angle is expected to be one of the top matches at the ECW pay-per-view. And it was. Was it? Okay. I, I, yeah, I think he defends against Stevie Richards and uh, Raven, is it? Oh, God. I don't even remember. Was, was it Barely Legal? Yeah, Barely Legal was the first one. Okay. Uh, yeah, it was the one and only Barely Legal, I guess. I thought that was the name of R. Kelly's favorite game. <laughs> uh, uh, here we go. Uh, Terry Funk defeated the Sandman and Stevie Richards in a three-way dance to become the world champion. Oh, it was the Sandman. Okay. I thought, then, I thought it was Raven for some reason. Well, uh, you're also right, because directly after that match, he faced Raven for some reason in a one-on-one match. So I don't remember the specifics of it, but I yeah, remember that. Terry Funk did, uh, well, he wrestled for the title and then defended the title in the same night. I just, like, why... Even looking back, like I remember when I first saw that, I was like, dumb. Whatever. But either way, uh, this is funny. I didn't I didn't know this was a thing. Blue World Order merch now accounts oh, God. For, now accounts for over 40% of total ECW merchandise sales. And ECW already does huge merch sales to begin with. First of all, define huge. Second of all, what? <clears throat> Anybody else has a red flag in this? The highest selling merch is a parody of something that's hot. Right. Well, should that be a red flag? I'm kind of curious now to see how well the LWO merchandise sold back in the, in the day. I'm sure there were some people that bought it just because they were Hispanic. Like, there had to be that group of people. I, I, I wasn't going to say it, but since you brought that up, there, there, one time there was this group of people that lived near me. Like a whole family, like it was like ten people. They were all wearing LWO shirts, walking down the street. Mother of God! Nice. Not joking. That's awesome. Yeah. I, also, not I forget even, that group was not long lived. It was a very short lived group. Right. I want to say for like less than a month, maybe. Well, I'll say this: uh, I have never seen one of those shirts out in the wild. So, I mean, that's just an anecdote. I, you know, doesn't mean it didn't sell. I just, I personally have never seen one. In this podcast, TJ tells you the Mexican people don't live in Ohio. <laughs> uh, they, they, they live in certain areas of Ohio, but just no, it's that's they're not a huge demographic. Hell, growing area. up, they lived in the next room next to me. They lived in the room next to me. My pops. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you had you had a large demographic in your area. <laughs> Uh, they called him family. Yeah, right. How no, you doing? Bro? No, Greg, it's familia. Get it right. Anyway, God, moving on here. I, I'm, I'm going to end up pissing some people off. Well, actually, but uh, speaking of LWO, getting into WCW here. Yet again, WCW Nitro has set records this week. The episode from New Orleans was the first Nitro episode to draw more than 10,000 oh, people. This, was this the one where DDP didn't join the NWO and give the diamond cutter to Hall? Uh, yeah. Because you said New Orleans, uh, right? I think it happened there. Right. Uh, well, they drew more than... It was the first to draw more than 10,000 people and the first show to do more than $100,000. What's, 
Um, it was the Nitro before this Rumble. So they did more than $100,000 gate in New Orleans. It was the first show to do that since Bill Watts' Mid-South Wrestling in the 80s. Uh, next week's show in Chicago has already topped both of those numbers in advanced sales. Not shocked. The biggest pop of the of the show came when Scott Hall and Kevin Nash tried to welcome Diamond Dallas Page. Yeah, there the it is. Row, only for Page to hit Hall with a diamond cutter and throw Nash out of the ring. That was uh, a pretty significant moment. That's like people talk about big moments in wrestling. That was a huge one that no one talks about. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, and that's. One of the things, like, you know, he, first, he's like the first person to turn down the NWO. He was like the first person to really stick it to him and get one over on him. And, and he was like, the, that was his face. That was his face turn. That turned him into the legend that he is. Yeah. Yeah. So and, uh, a lot going on with that moment. People don't talk about. It was definitely historic. It was a historic moment. And like I said, historic numbers for Nitro because uh, it was the first Nitro episode to have more than uh, 10,000 people there. It was the first show oh. in New Orleans. It was the first show in New Orleans to do more than a hundred thousand dollar gate since uh, Bill Watts with Mid South. I mean, a lot of big yeah, stuff there. Look at the, look at this car, dude. Chavo Guerrero versus Mister JL. There you go. Oh, Sign. f yeah, dude. Jim Duggan versus Super Kello. I mean, that alone was drawing the house. Jericho okay. versus Craig Pittman. Harlem Heat God. versus High Voltage. DDP versus who the hell is Mark Starr? Let's dude, see. if Okay, if you threw names into a randomizer and it made a <laughs> card, you couldn't get this damn card. Who the hell books Jim Duggan against Super Callow? Well, hold on, it gets better, dude, because later on, for some reason, Super Callow is wrestling Conan. So he wrestles twice. Why? Hell yeah. Okay, so that that disproves my theory because remember the remember that one week I asked you or I told you I said hey I've never seen Super Calo and Conan in the same place at the same time. Well, there you go. Uh, look at this Super one. Calo uh, sucked. This one might have been good. Dimalenko versus Eddie Guerrero. That might have been good. Yeah. To, uh, just as a quick note, it's the longest match in the card, twelve minutes. Well, how about that? Jeff Jarrett versus Chris Benoit. Scotty Riggs versus Kidman. I wonder if that's... Now that you dude, Lex it, you Luger said... versus Rick Effin Fuller, dude. Hell yeah. Oh, God. Dude, I'm so, going to stop recording right now. I'm going to turn this on Peacock and watch it. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, you said Super Callow faced Conan, right? Yeah. Okay, so... And lost. I'm wondering... Uh, go figure. I'm wondering if that's that quote unquote, well, I should say infamous match that they have like a million gifts of where like <laughs> Super Calo kept like missing his cues and effing up throughout the entire match. And it's like you just see a million botch gifts of that match. <laughs> <sighs> it's like they try to they try to close or I think Conan tried to close line and whatever. And they end up like colliding in the middle of the ring. And Conan just kind of like flops like a soccer player. <sighs> I don't know. And the main events, the, well, the semi main event was Rick Steiner versus Arn Anderson and the giant versus Hulk Hogan with Ted DiBiase. That sounds so that's, weird. Hogan with Ted DiBiase. Right. <laughs> well, that's actually my next story here. Uh, so this, here's another reason why this show is famous. Also on Nitro, they tried a weird gimmick that at the end of the show where the main event, Hollywood Hogan versus the Giant, started with only one minute left in the show. Reason 
the reason was because they were trying to build up ratings for the new Robin Hood show that was airing right after uh, Halloween Havoc of them. Right. Well, they promised to come back and show the match during commercial breaks of Robin Hood, and that's pretty much what they did, airing about 30 seconds of the match during each commercial break for the entire hour of the show. The God. problem is, the match only lasted about four minutes in total, so as they stretched it out during the commercials, they acted like it was going on live, and that everyone watching was missing a classic 45-minute Hogan giant match that had been going on all through the show. Look, I love Hulk Hogan. I would never call anything he did was a classic. Yeah, well... It's like my all-time favorite wrestler, but he never had a classic. Well, I know you don't like real long matches anyway, and I mean, I do, depending on who's in it. But when I hear 45-minute classic, the names The Giant and Hulk Hogan (laughs) don't come to mind. (laughs) Oh, man. They don't... I don't think either one of them has that stamina. (laughs) You already see him sucking wind by half the way through. Yeah, right. Half. Wow, you're being um, generous. This is just bringing something. I just just had my flashback when um, it was like months ago when Hangman Page returned. He won the mm-hmm. he won the ladder match to uh, get the world title shot. It was like last year, I think. They yeah. did something similar. Stay tuned to Rose to the Top during the commercial break. We're gonna interview Hangman on about his win right here. So this what might be a turn. Thing to be fair, so now might not be WCW. What I don't know. Do, it might be Basil. It might be a Turner thing. So. I just want to say, well, we'll wrap it not, I'm not trying to exonerate anybody. I'm just saying, no, this has happened twice on the same channel or same uh, family of networks. Well, and they're artificially, I, I'm sure they are artificially boosting the, the ratings for this show anyway. That were, And the thing is, it's stupid because what happens in week two? I, I guess you're hoping that they'll watch enough of the show and get hooked so they come back. But most likely not. You're gonna have a huge drop off in week two. Can you imagine, like, if you like, stay tuned to Robin Hood and see what happens in the match? People are just just want, waiting to watch the match, and then the next week, and it looks like the ratings are huge. Next week, no one watches it all. Yeah, right. I know. It's gonna give it's gonna give Bischoff like kind of a stiffy. Oh, people care more about wrestling than they do the Super Robin Hood show. We had to carry it. <laughs> yes, that's what I would say if it was me. Right. That, that's yeah. what it would be. That's what it would be. That's what it would be saying to me. Well, yeah, I mean, that's am I absolutely wrong? Absolutely true. No, that's absolutely true. But I, I I mean, I guess, like I said, their hopes are most likely that you'll keep, you know, you'll watch enough of the Robin Hood show and get hooked to it. So you'll come back. But I didn't even like the Robin Hood Disney movie. I wasn't going to watch this. Uh, I liked Robin Hood Men in Tights with Carrie always, but about it. That, what the hell is that? Never saw, it was like a, a comedic version of Robin Hood. Uh, well, I heard Men in Tights. Are we talking about Robin Hood or wrestling still? God, uh, yes. <laughs> but either way, uh, there was a lot of complaints about the sleazy attempt to spike ratings for Robin Hood at the expense of wrestling fans. <laughs> sleazy? They weren't I showing mean, naked chicks or anything, were they? How was it sleazy? Yeah, it's like, okay, well, who the hell was tuning in? Like, You're like, oh, man, I have to sit through this show because I just have to see what happens with Hulk Hogan and the Giant. This was building to one of their worst pay reviews in the history of that company. Yeah. God. I Which was think... the same exact main event, by the way. Would they just redo the main event? I guess so. Pretty sure sold out in 97 was Hogan and uh, the Giant. Yeah. God. Dumb. What was the point of this? They're just going to redo the match on pay-per-view. 
that. My head hurts. Yeah. I've seen oh, a lot man. of companies do that. I'm like, quit ruining your pay-per-view main event, man. Gosh. Uh, speaking of uh, Hogan, though, I, I remember hearing about this. I was like, oh, God, it was around this time. Scott Hall had a tooth knocked out, two teeth loosened, a black eye, and possibly a broken eardrum from the incident where Jerry Jeez. Sags, where Jerry Sags of the Nasty Boys stiffed him during a match. Some in the company say that Hall had it coming, and that the Nasties are good friends with Hogan, so they're safe. Uh, others say that Sags should be fired. After the match backstage, Kevin Nash confronted the Nasties with a baseball bat, and it ended up just being a bunch of words being thrown. Eric Bischoff reportedly wanted to fire Sags, but Scott Hall felt that Hogan would retaliate against he and Nash if they got his friend fired. I can't remember exactly what it was. Look, uh, I don't know oh, any of them, obviously, but if I'm going to be friends with anybody, it's not going to be the nasty boys over the outsiders. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, because, well, the nasty boys are clearly drawing the money. But I, I will say... Also, having met Nash before, I can tell you he's like the coolest mf on the planet. Why wouldn't you want to be friends with that man? Yeah, and look, I'm not trying to crap on Hall here, but this, from every reported story and, uh, you know, people, everybody recounting the story that was actually there, uh, I can't remember oh, exactly what happened, but I think it was like the week or two before this, Hall, like, carelessly swung a chair or something, He and he effed up sad. I remember really hearing bad. that, yeah. I remember hearing about the chair. Yeah, and he effed him up really bad and gave him a major concussion and whatever. So this was the receipt. Then a year later, Vince McMahon would do that to Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> yeah. At least with with uh, Vince, you could argue he didn't know what the f he was doing. And damn it, pal! I signed the checks. Yeah, right. What does Jerry Sags do for you? <laughs> I'll give you the pit stop. Good lord. But yeah, so. I don't know. I mean, it sucks, but at the same time, it's like, if you're going to, you know, blast somebody carelessly in the head with a chair and send them to the hospital, yeah, they're probably going to F you up right back. Especially, you know, I mean, I've never heard of either one of the Nasty Boys backing down from a fight. So, either way, a uh, couple more. I imagine at least. That, that Knobs is the, the insane one. He just, just seen him on shows and stuff. You know, he's like nuts. Yeah, I've always... I've met Sags at WrestleCon before. He just seems like a downer dude. Yeah. Oh, my dad met both of them in... Uh, oddly enough, they were hanging out with Road Dog uh, at an airport in uh, Atlanta. And they were, like, in the in the bar area waiting for their flight. My dad saw them, and he went up and started talking to them, and they were nice. But he said uh, Knobs was, like, super friendly and chatting and whatever, and he said Sags just kind of sat there and... He like he would say something every once in a while, but he wasn't like super social or anything. Well, maybe said, maybe I maybe I have a different encounter because Sags was being paid to be there. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> well, he said he said Sags just seemed like a normal dude, and he was like, I I wouldn't have even recognized him because he you know he was dressed oh, normal. <laughs> he can. He's got a very distinguishable yeah. face and haircut. Yeah. Well, he was like he's like if uh, he's like if he was by himself, he said I wouldn't have thought anything of it. But he's like I mean. It's kind of hard to miss Brian Knobs. 
He's I don't like, know why, uh, but I imagine when he talks, he's always in character. He's yelling promos when he's in, like talking to you like he's cutting a promo. Yeah, I, well, he knows every one of his promos. He's yelling and like talking with his hands. I guess and, like, he's a naturally boisterous. He throws dude. his hand out there and like it looks like that motion you make when you're doing a pop with your hands. Like you make a fist and all your hand, your fingers open at the same time. He does that in every <laughs> yeah. promo. If you notice. Yep. And he always and looks he like screams. He jump off the edge or something. I'm surprised he hasn't <laughs> blown his voice out. But uh, well, there you go, man. This is this is one of only uh, tw- two I- uh, injuries for this guy, you know. Uh, Rey Mysterio oh, Jr. Rey Mysterio, <laughs> yeah. Rey Mysterio Jr. blew out his knee last week, and it's said to be serious. He had an MRI done, and no surprise, he has pretty significant damage in both knees. He has an uh, appointment next week to see if he'll need surgery. Uh, I'm gonna say he does because I think he's gone for a while. Yeah, and then he ends up getting braces after a while. You, you think at this time he's like early twenties? I think maybe I think he's like twenty-one or something here at most, and he's already needing knee surgery. And he is Damn. still going to this day high yep. off way. It hasn't slowed down at all. Uh, I'm I'm wondering if he switched to like. Uh, like Tom Brady talks about, he said most of his workouts are more like stretching and stuff like that. And he keeps himself limber and that's how he's able to, like, he doesn't break down or anything like that. He doesn't do a whole, a whole lot of like weightlifting and stuff like that. So I'm thinking like, uh, that's probably what Ray does. I mean, he's in great shape and he's obviously very mobile still at this point. Two goats. Right. They all do the same thing. Yep. And, uh, I mean, Obviously, Jericho's not what he used to be, or not anywhere close. But he can still move at least. And he said he uses, uh, his secret, he uses his secret power himself. He's a wizard. Yeah, exactly. He uh, he said he did DDPY, and he said otherwise his career would have uh, ended a long ass time ago. So either way, uh, Harlow Heat and Public Enemy are both currently working without contracts, and there have been a ton of rumors about Harlem Heat going to the, to the WWF. But word is that WWF has already committed so much money to long-term guaranteed contracts that they're now second-guessing spending all that money. Uncle Dave oh, says... Gee. I wonder what Harlem Heat would have did in WWE. Yeah, right. In 1997. Hmm, I wonder what they would have done with them. Hmm. Yeah, right. Yeah. There's a thinker. Hey, actually, well, still would have been involved, but uh, it would have been cool if they would have like came in and joined with Ahmed Johnson to kind of even the odds. I have their own words for that. Yeah. Well, Uncle Dave about this says, quote, does the name Mark Henry come to mind? (laughs) Remember that Henry Henry signed a 10 year multi million dollar contract at this point and had yet to and had uh, shown nothing so far. So We're currently has, going through that as we speak with Gable Stevenson. I know, right? And yet his brother's they, on TV already. <laughs> Who's his brother? Um, uh, he's in the di- well. He was in the Diamond Mine. What's his name? I forget. Uh, hold on. I didn't know he had a brother. He's not been on TV in a while. Wow. So the the big the big signee the the famous name and everything not even on TV yet. <laughs> Uh, he was on Raw a couple weeks ago with Kurt Angle. Well, he's clearly not, you know, ready to go. But his brother 
is who you know, nobody now, knew. What's his damn name? Hold on, I'm looking at his name right now. Damon Kemp. Damon Kemp. Yeah, that's his name. Damon Kemp. Yeah, that's okay. his brother. Never heard of him, huh? All right, he's pretty good. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. Hopefully, uh, he had a, can get something out of this. Him. Is gonna sound very weird, but he had a really good ambulance match with uh, Julius Creed. <laughs> I was like, oh god, an ambulance match. He actually turned out to be really good. <clears throat> wow. Yeah, those can go one of two ways. <laughs> they can they can be good, or you know, it. Well, they kind of played him to death in WCW. I look at the Creed Bros. I'm like, I think that's what they want Gable Stevenson to be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, looking at him, you can definitely tell he's related to uh, Gable Stevenson. I had no idea he was until I saw it on Twitter. <clears throat> I mean, I wouldn't just jump to that conclusion, but uh, seeing them next to each other, it's like, yeah, uh, I, I get it. He looks like Russell Wilson. Oh, yeah, I could see that. Damon, I mean. Right. So either way, they're hesitant to commit more money to signing anyone new unless it's for a major name, and Harlem Heat probably won't make the cut. 1997, it could be argued they were the best tag team on the planet. Why? I don't get that. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I, you know, in between them and the signers. They don't exactly have a black tag team. I mean, it's not, you know, you don't have to, quote unquote, check the boxes with everything. But, I mean, it's just not anything they have at this point. Every, I mean, think about all the tag teams they have at this point. A whole lot of white. <laughs> yeah, the Road Warriors are back. Um, uh, headbangers, the uh, the Godwins. Well, when you yeah. say a whole lot of white, then you mention the Godwins. Good lord, you're saying a mouthful. <laughs> yeah, uh, the the uh, New Age Outlaws are are they there yet? Or are they coming? Ninety seven. They're on their way. Okay. Uh, well, obviously, Bulldog and Owen, whenever they team. You can throw Vader and Mankind in there. They were a team for a while. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> this one, God. Uh, this is kind of a weird one, but I threw it in because it was funny. At the WCW Saturday night tapings, Jim Duggan faced the Gambler. And Uncle Dave uh, has not seen it yet, but he was told that it's one of the worst matches of all time. <laughs> no. Who the hell is the gambler? Kenny Rogers? Oh, well, of course. BCW the gambler. Yeah, let me know. Because I, I used to know, but I forgot. I'm going to say, just before we look, I'm going to say it was um, a smash from Demolition. Because he had like a million gimmicks here. Okay, yeah, I'm looking at pictures of him. I have no idea who the hell this guy is. He, he almost looks like he could be a member of the uh, Armstrong family. Either way, it's funny. He wears like the full Kenny Rogers outfit to the ring. Too. Oh, of course he does. <laughs> got an ace in his hand. Oh, I like yep. this. He's got he's pulling an ace out of his sleeve. That's clever. Right, yeah, right. That's clever. I like that. Yep. How did he not get this guy raises and eights? Oh my gosh! <laughs> Put him in a mask. He was important enough to have an interview segment with Mean Gene, by the way. Oh well, then. <laughs> Why? Uh, Chris Canyon is being given a this, martial arts gimmick. And we'll... This uh, article right here says he was a bigger flop than Kleischer. How's Why? that possible? Why is that the thing? Well, 
my thing is, how is that possible? It's not like they, I mean, did they actually play him up? Like, hey, everybody, coming next week, it's the gambler. Sure, they like, did. I don't remember. I don't know. He's <laughs> like, who gives a crap? <laughs> He's throwing his cards in a hat like uh, the Joker did in the original Batman, 1989, the best one ever. This is so stupid. See, you mentioned this. You bring me down the damn rabbit hole. I ain't coming out. Yeah, good grief. But either way, uh, Chris Canyon is has uh, is being given a martial arts gimmick and will feud with Glacier. Speaking of Glacier, uh, uh, no, the, he doesn't become a martial artist at all. But on a recent Germany tour, uh, Canyon worked under the name Mortis, so that will probably be his gimmick. Uh, to which I say. That is correct. I'm also, I'm watching old superstars in Raw from like ni- late '95 now, and then Chris Canyon was a job on Raw, just as Chris Canyon. Wow, kind of funny when you see stuff like that, right? <sighs> but this one, getting into the WWF now. WWF is handling the pay-per-view responsibilities for the upcoming Sugar Ray Leonard Hector Camacho uh, boxing match. They did that a lot with. With Leonard, how was right. he never on WWE TV? I know, weird. Uh, well, I, it's, like when I started when I started binge watching stuff on the Peacock back in the eighty for the eighties, it was on primetime wrestling. They promoted the hell out of the fight between him and this guy Lalande. Yeah, like they uh, well, like they promoted it to death, almost like they were making money off of it. Well, they, I mean, they they oh, actually yeah. were. Or well, they they didn't make money off of it, but they probably got a cut uh, of the pay per view. Well, we'll get to that here in just a second. But uh, the previous company, Sugar Ray, uh, in the '80s, man, was a you know the fighter, not the band. Huge <laughs> name in boxing, dude. Like well, an all-time previous... legend. No one talks about him like with Ali and Tyson and and uh, Mayweather. This guy was yeah. a big deal. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Look at his. Go look at his biography. He's been like a hundred TV shows. Like everybody wanted him for guest spots. <laughs> nice. Well. Previous company, TVKO, backed out of the fight after the promoter was investigated for links to organized crime. In boxing? <laughs> no way! Wow. So, WWF... Hey, what are you doing the organized crime? How you doing? So, WWF jumped in to save the day. Several years ago, WWF handled promotional responsibilities for another Sugar Ray Leonard fight, and that show lost a ton of money. Which that had to be the Lalande one I was talking about. Let me just see. Yeah. They lost money, you said? Yep. Apparently, it lost a lot of money. Uh, which is which is <laughs> Which is why WWF hasn't promoted a boxing pay-per-view since then. So anyway, expect a lot of promotion for the fight on WWF TV in the coming weeks. This should have been promoted as uh, Sugar Ray Leonard versus Fabio. Does Lalande look like? He's <laughs> a blonde, pretty white boy. Yeah. This one's another... I want, uh, the, I want to see the numbers for this. Hold on. This has to be the one you're talking about. Yeah, I know. I, I had heard Sugar Ray, I get, First thing I get is Mark McGrath. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I had heard about that in the past, that they lost their ass on that. So that's why they kind of... They tried dipping their toe into boxing promotion and because they thought it would be another revenue source and they lost a crap ton of money and, was, and Vince was like, nope, we're done. They agreed to a $20 million purse split. Leonard getting 15, Lalande getting 5 million. Wow. What a freaking lopsided. Hey. <laughs> right. Wow. 
That's Plus, nuts. he isn't on the thing here for the money. Yeah. I don't know what their cut was or anything. This next uh, this next thing is another one of those funny Uncle Dave says kind of things, but uh, he might be right on this one. Uncle Dave finally saw Shotgun Saturday Night's debut episode and said oh, that God. it looked like and said that it looked like a public access wrestling show, which is probably not yeah, okay. <laughs> which probably wasn't the look that they were going for. These are the first episode. Yeah, this was the one in Penn Station, right? Was it Penn Station right. or? One of those uh, in New York. Yeah, I think so. We went there. Remember, we took a picture of the of the escalator that Undertaker Tombstone Triple H on. <laughs> yep, <laughs> I remember that. It was either Penn Station or uh, the other big one, Grand Central. Yeah, I want to say. I want to say Penn because it was right in front of uh, the Garden. It sounds like it's the right one. All right, the Garden. Well, Bob Backlund was hilarious, but that was the only good thing on the show. When Bob Backlund's the best thing you got on the show, you got problems. <laughs> God. Uh, speaking Look at all the that, plebeians. Though, <laughs> speaking of that, though, WWF has dropped the Flying Nuns gimmick because of complaints from, uh, from their debut last week. <laughs> I wonder why. Did I ever tell you that um, Bastion Booger debuted as like a monk? Named something uh, Friars? And yeah. then U.S. I'm watching on Raw, and then, like the next week he's Bastion Booger, and I go look yep. it up. Apparently, USA did not want him being the angry monk or whatever he was. Bruce Pritchard talked about it. He said the reason they dropped it was because they were getting a lot of angry calls and letters from uh, like actual like I, I don't know what part of Christianity has monks. I don't know if it's I think it's Catholic. I thought it was I thought it was Buddhism, honestly. Um, well, there, are, there, there are Buddhist monks, but there are other ones like uh, like the friars and stuff like that. Like that's what it was something friars. Yeah, Friar Ferguson, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's, that sounds right. So I think I think that's Catholic to have uh, the friars, monks, whatever. Well, damn, pal! So, now he's gonna eat nothing but fried food. Good lord! But yeah, so that's that's why they dropped it because of so many. Uh, uh, angry letters and calls and whatever. Let him call. I'm offended. <laughs> this one though, like, yeah, like. It's, it's, How come it, nobody ever called about Kane? Uh, I don't know. Maybe because that one's just a name. I have no idea. But this was He's literally coming out of hell, like with the fire and all that. No one ever right. complained about that. What? Yeah. Right. Uh. But those two guys are going back to using their headbangers gimmick on this week's Shotgun Saturday Night. Also on the show, <laughs> also on the show, there were lots of chance of Rocky sucks at Rocky Maivia. The second week in a row, reviews of Man, the show. Those age badly, huh? Yeah, right. But for the second week in a row, reviews of the show were un- uh, universally negative. Yeah, I, I don't think it lasted. So shocked. <laughs> right. Yeah, I don't think this one lasted very long. Uh, I can't remember when they canceled it. After well, a while, it, it was it just last a, a while. Show. I was going to say, yeah, it did last a while, but not in the current form that it is right there. Right. Flying Nuns thing was just dumb. Like, I remember Jim Cornette talked about it because, like, he had a hand in doing it, whatever. And, like, the Flying Nuns was a show back in, what, the 70s? Like, who the hell was going to get that? Were they demanding the show, too? Say what? Were they men in the show too? 
No, I think it was that it was like actual like female nuns. So I don't know why they were like, oh, we're going to slap this. Well, yeah, that's why I'm asking. Why are the guys? I thought there's nothing wrong with that. I don't want a letter, but I've never heard of a male nun. So what's the point of this? I I don't know. The the whole gimmick was effing stupid. But that they actually like Catholic boys and nuns to me is the headbangers, man. Right. Well, and it's like, first of all, yeah, you got the male nuns, whatever. And then second of all, then they like for the build up packages, they actually filmed them walking out of uh, that St. Patrick's Cathedral we went to. And they look like the freaking headbangers. So there's that. Hey, and hey, so- it was Sister Mosh and Sister Thrasher. What's wrong with that? Good Lord. <laughs> and on top of all of it, uh, let's see the flying nuns. Or, or, excuse me, the Flying Nun. It was just one woman. So, yeah, it was a show that aired... Uh, well, there was three seasons. It aired uh, in the 60s the to the 70s. Just an angel? Uh, I have no idea. Well, she had... Oh, it was uh, Sally Field. That was it. Sally Field was, like, the main character. It aired from 67 to 1970. Okay, so it had some name value. At least, not maybe not back then. At least now. Yeah, but in 1997, who the hell remembers this? Whoa. My mother used to watch this show, bro. It was a flying nun, bro. I could see the headbangers doing it, bro. My gosh. Tell me oh, I'm wrong. so dumb. Oh, wait. Uh, I, you might be right. Uh, speaking of, we've got quite a few stupid gimmick stories coming here. This next one. I thought expect- we were in 97, not 95. Yeah. Well, expect Bradshaw and Barry Windham to be put together as a heel tag team as a 90s version of the Blackjacks. Yep. That, uh, that does happen. Hey, that had some steam for a while, to be fair. I will say, I don't completely fault them for trying this. I mean, it's, it was Wasn't Barry Windham's dad one of the Blackjacks? Yeah, Blackjack... Uh, Windham. Mulligan, I th- or Wind- oh, well, yeah. Yeah. There's... Mulligan and, or yeah, because uh, the other one was Lanza. Well, Mulligan, I think, was either in, I don't know if he was in jail at this time or if he just wasn't around or whatever. Mulligan's but they, still alive. Say what? Mulligan's still alive to this day. I know one of them passed away, right? Uh, Lanza, I believe. Uh, so Lanza Mulligan w- could, be, could be Uncle Howdy? <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, Blackjack Lanza was I, they got him because he was actually like under the WWF payroll he did backstage yeah, stuff yeah and he gave his so. uh, blessing to it too by the way yeah that's I mean, what I, Fisher said or that's what uh, Cornette said yeah I mean I thought the if anybody goes back and watches the promos I thought the, the promos were cool I thought the look was cool hey, I, I dare I you pick it. two other guys who could be Blackjacks other than Bradshaw and Wyndham yeah right they were Big southern bastards, and and one of them literally had the lineage. So why the hell not? Uh, Blackjack Mulligan is um, also the father of IRS, by the way. Right there, you go. Uh, wait, what's that's it? a very unique family tree. Right. IRS, okay. Wyndham, Blackjack Mulligan, Bray Wyatt, Bo Dallas. <laughs> Uh, a unique treated. Yep. They uh they 
they definitely spread them gimmicks around. <laughs> but either way, uh, it's the final stupid gimmick I got for you. Not well, one bad wrestler either, by the way. No, none of them sucked. Some of them were better than others, but, you know. Gary's anyway, probably I, better than them all. Yeah. Uh, Tiger Jeet Singh and his son Tiger Ali Singh have some sort of deal with the WWF, with both of them scheduled to come in. Singh Sr. Flop. Singh Sr. will likely just be a manager of some sort since he's 52 years old and has been washed up for years. Yeah. God, that had to be Meltzer saying that. Yeah. Define washed up. Because I think his whole. Why would you say that, though? Oh, he's washed up. Why would you say that? Why don't you say he's aged and he can't wrestle anymore? Yeah, right. It's like. You're going to be a dick about it. Right. It's like, I think his whole gimmick before is basically just being the Indian version of uh, the Sheik. So, and he carried a saber. But either way, uh, WWF has big plans for Singh Jr. with, uh, plans, yeah. to make, with <laughs> plans to make him an ethnic star to tour the Middle East countries, as well as parts of Canada. Yeah, that he won have, the Kuwaiti Cup. He, they did. Yep. Uh, as well as parts of Canada that have large Indian Indian populations. I didn't know until just the last few years that that was a thing, that there are a lot of Indians I either, yeah. that live in Canada. Errol Hawani's from there. I believe he's uh, some sort of Middle Eastern. Uh, yeah, Jin- well, Jinder Mahal is uh, is Canadian. So it's that's weird. I, I, I had no idea. Because you would think, I mean, India... You know... Um, uh, do you ever see the movie Captain Phillips, with Tom Hanks? Uh, no, I haven't seen it, but I oh I god, it's, it. it's a classic. All the guys in that, I believe, they're from like Minnesota, so they have a huge population of what race those Somalis. guys? Those pirates, Somali, yeah, yeah. I was like, it's really uh, random, Minnesota. That one I knew. That one's weird yeah. too, but that one I, I knew because I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. I just don't get it. Yeah, well, like uh, that one. Democratic senator that's from their uh, female senator. I can't think of her name. Uh, Ilan Omar. She's like Somali or something like that. And uh, I was like, really? Minnesota? And then I like people talk about it. They're like, oh, yeah, big population of them up there. I'm like, ah, that, you, <laughs> I never would have guessed. Because when you think of like Minnesota and Canada, they're obviously very cold places. Uh, Somalis and only me. Only me white people. <laughs> yeah. Well, Somalis and Indians are from every hot black climate. Ever told me has told me they don't like cold. They're they're tropical people, but I don't think they're gonna be living there. Yeah. So I I'm <laughs> like, really? Why did you pick that? Play? Like, um, whatever. It's it is what it is. But I yeah, sound like I, I weird. I'm like Somalia to Minnesota. I totally get it. Yeah. Okay. Direct shot. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, I want to be careful with my words. I don't want to get crap here. But, like, you know, you think about a lot of Cuban people in Miami, Mexican people in SoCal, Texas. Yeah, okay. I get it. Okay. Somali people in, in Minnesota? Really? Yeah, it's an odd one. There's not really a direct flight there or direct way there. Right. Well, I guess the same could be said for India to Canada, but whatever. Yeah. Well, I will say the. Uh, Tiger Jeet Singh, or excuse me, Tiger Ali Singh story here. Uh, he flops. They, they try a few things with him. Doesn't work out. Yeah, I'll bring us full circle to Headbanger Ma- Mosh. Was it Mosh, I believe? Oh, 
Yes, it was my hat. Remember they put the, the what do you call it, the, uh, I think it's the hijab? No, they, I I, the they actually put a turban Or is it a turban? It's a turban, okay. Yeah. Him and D'Lo Brown, because, you know, that was, that was a brilliant idea. Oh, God. What? D'Lo Brown was put in a lot of situations where he didn't fit. Like, first he was in the gangsters in Smoky Mountain, and then he's this. And then in TNA, they put him in Aces and Eights. I'm like, do any of these fit him? They just need a wrestler. Yeah, Someone right. who's good. Yeah, right. He's a good hand, damn it. Uh, speaking of Smoky Mountain, though, former yeah, Smoky you Mountain. Say what you will, but he always had a job. That is true. But former Smoky Mountain wrestling wrestler Punisher, aka Bull Buchanan, is being brought into the WWF God. to train with Tom Pritchard. <laughs> WWF also has interest in ECW's Mike Awesome, but they want him to get more wrestling experience first because he's pretty much only worked garbage matches in FMW for most of his career. Redundant statement is redundant. So, oh, well, we want him to get away from the garbage of FMW and get some real wrestling training. Go to ECW. <laughs> like, <laughs> I what? <laughs> Good Lord. In his defense, he became an awesome wrestler, no pun intended. Yeah, right. Yeah, he was he was good. Uh, I freaking ruined him in WCW, but you know whatever. Are you <sighs> saying the fat chick gorilla ruined him? Uh, I'm walking yes. away from this podcast. I'm done with this. I'm, we're done. That seventy that seventies guy, fat chick thriller, uh, the Canadian Mike Awesome. Like just oh, that was just like why him being Canadian, by the way, was the least stupid of all the gimmicks. Remember when Eli Skipper was also Canadian? Yeah. Because he happened to be trained by Scott Demore, Therefore, Canadian. But anyway, uh, Vampiro turned down a major soap opera role in Mexico because they wanted him to play the role of an American Border Patrol officer, and he thought it would get him heat. <laughs> uh, you just watched SmackDown 2004 if you want to see how that works out. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't even know what to say. And he also, I, this is the least of all of it. He's Canadian. Oh, God, whatever. The Canadian playing an American Border Patrol officer on the Mexican soap opera. Did I get that right? Yep. And he'd probably be speaking Spanish on the show, which just didn't. Who was the, the casting director gimmick. for the show? Should be shot. <laughs> right. God. Antonio Inoki plans to do another World Wrestling Peace Festival interpromotional show this year. He was in Mexico City over the weekend meeting with EMLL to set it up. The plan is for it to take place later in the spring, either in Mexico City or possibly in Cuba. Well, that's a hell so of a not choice North there. Korea? Yeah, well, that was the first one he did was in uh, North Korea. Ah, but was that 94, 95? I know. I know Hogan was under WCW contract at the time, so it was definitely '94 or later. Yeah, and I, I liked uh, when uh, Eric Bischoff brought it up to Hogan. He just was like, "Hmm, don't think I can make that one, brother." <laughs> there you will about that man and his uh, decisions, but that was probably one of the smarter ones. Yeah, right. Good lord, but yeah, so. Oh, we well, we already hit North Korea, and that worked out so well. Let's go to Cuba. 
Like, F off, Inoki. I'd be like, Keep in mind, it's not Cuba today. Yeah, I don't know how Cuba is today. I, I really have no idea. I mean, I'm I, just, I, it's not Fidel Castro today, right? Obviously. Oh, well, So it's yeah. probably not as bad. Yeah, I, I would hope. Oh, you know, let's but, go to Russia. Yeah, right. Uh, that would probably be the best of all of them, as long as you don't have, you know, hash oil in your bag or something like that. But either way. Oh, God. All Japan and FMW seem to be building up to an interpromotional angle. Oh, joy. It's playing out in the <laughs> wrestling media. <laughs> it's playing out and in the wrestling media. There's a pair. <laughs> right. Between Giant Baba and Atsushi Onita. And will likely lead to a match between Hayabusa and Kenta Kobashi. God. Uh, it doesn't appear that that one-on-one match ever happened, by the way. But Hayabusa did work oh. a handful of <laughs> Hayabusa did work a handful of tag matches in All Japan later in the year. Well, how about that? You mean the guy who could wrestle on the FMW roster actually went and wrestled other wrestlers? How about that? Uh, at the New Japan Pro Wrestling I Tokyo you Dome a video, by the way, somebody uh, made an FMW ring like, out of out of a toy ring. And they blew it up in their living room. Said, hey, I made an exploding ring. (laughs) Why would you blow it up in your living room? God. It's almost as bad as those people who fry turkeys inside the house. (laughs) God. But this was funny. Uh, At the New Japan Pro Wrestling Tokyo Dome show, Chris Jericho worked as Super Liger. It was so poorly received that the gimmick has already been dropped after the one match. Jericho is expected to continue to work. How has he never been super liger on AEW TV? What the hell? I know. I know, right? Really? He's done everything else. Uh, well, Jericho's, oh. ex- Jericho's expected to continue to work for New Japan Pro Wrestling for a while as himself instead of as super liger. Uh, Jericho later said that the match was bad because the mask obstructed his vision and he couldn't work with it. I could buy that. He said he didn't really wear it a whole lot. He hated masks and he said, if you, I, I'm honestly surprised that, that the real, um, Jushin Thunder Liger could work in the mask he has. Cause it looks awful. It looks like that would suck to work. in. My first thing is like the horns. I'm like, how do you do that? Do any right. moves at all? Yeah. Yeah, Jericho said it was awful. It didn't fit right. Kept falling in his eyes. Like, yeah, I could see that. To nobody that or to anybody who hasn't seen it, he just uh, it, it was basically the Jushin Liger outfit, but it was all silver. And then obviously he had his big blonde hair hanging out the back instead of the black hair. So yeah, when it was luscious, not like now. <laughs> yeah, not not uh, stringy and uh, brought back with the help of Bosley's. <laughs> Did I say that? My bad. You're getting a so, letter. Oh, well, actually, it's the third time I've said that already. Yeah, you use a hair club for men. Oh, well, excuse the F out of me. Me, right? Uh, Jerry Lawler seems to be taking a more serious interest in turning around the USWA promotion now that he's the 100% owner of it. Right now, Bill Dundee. Oh, man, Randy, not a moment too late, huh? <laughs> right. Uh, Bill Dundee, Randy Hales, and Brian Christopher are handling the booking. Well, then. Yeah, that's uh, going to go real well, Jerry. You're, you're going to sell it. 1997, Grandmaster Sex A is about to be in the, or 
he's not he's not that yet, but was it too yeah. cool? No, was it too too much? Too hot, right? Or yeah, no, too he's, hot. He's actually, he's that's right. Yeah, no, that was too Scott sexy. Taylor. Yeah, that's too sexy Brian Christopher and too hot Scott Taylor. Yeah, so he's already about much. to jump off the AWA or USWA himself. He actually went back and forth for a while, which was weird because he was a baby face in USWA and then he was a heel in WWF. This is dad's annoying ass laugh. <laughs> I always thought that was right. funny. Exact same laugh, dude. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. Some people say he caught a bad break at birth. That's just a rumor. Good lord. <laughs> hey, that, I didn't say that. JR did. Uh, I know. Well, speaking of which, USWA is <laughs> USWA is doing a Nation of Domination angle where guys like Mo and Mabel, formerly Men on the Mission, uh, and others using names like Sir Muhammad, Shaquille Ali, Queen Moesha, and others. Wow. Uh, this w- they just went, hey, what famous ath- actor, athlete, or television show is black? We're going to use that, huh? <laughs> Basically. Lazy um, booking. What's vaguely uh, uh, Islamic? <laughs> but this was Moesha actually... was the name the- of that show Brandy did, right? Yes. Yeah, okay, I thought so. Yep. This was actually the original Nation of Domination, with some guys bouncing back and forth between USWA and WWF, but it was mostly who started... To- Say what? PG-13. Who are the token white guys? PG-13 as well? Yep. Yeah, they actually okay. came from USWA. Uh, That's right, they did. Mo- it was mostly started in the USWA before turning into a major WWF faction. Yep, that's crazy. But either you way, you know, in hindsight, I think the Nation of Domination wasn't that bad. They could have just did more with it. Yeah, right. Uh, I mean, most of the guys in the faction were damn good. So there you go. All Hall of Famers, right? Uh, pretty much. So not, like not, not D'Lo or PG thirteen or shit. Yeah, right. Oh, I forgot uh, Clarence what? Mason. All the main uh, ones: Peru, yeah. Godfather. Uh, Henry. Mark Henry, The Rock, you'll be. Yep. Yeah, those are the important ones. But either way, uh, last story we got here, the indie promotion called Continental Wrestling Alliance that had been running shows at the Dallas Sportatorium every week went out of business last month. Apparently, the money guy simply walked out during the last show because he couldn't pay everyone. That's effed up. What's it called? Uh, Continental Wrestling Alliance, which... I think yeah, the wrestling alliances are usually not that good. Alliance usually doesn't last. Yeah, right. A former Dallas wrestling manager. Because somebody's going to want more. Of course. A former Dallas wrestling manager, Gary Hart, has already stepped in and started a new promotion called World Class The Next Generation. Ooh, more laziness. Yeah, right. Uh, what's, the, what's the name of that new Star Wars sh- or Star Trek show that's doing so good? Good lord. Yeah, uh, I don't think that lasted either. So by it was the way. Uh, WWC, APWA, RCW, and NWA. Oh, man. How can the NWA be in an alliance with somebody else? I thought they were the alliance. Yeah, right? They are the bar. <laughs> God. But anyway, we're going to take our next break. When we come back, we're going to dive into the actual Royal Rumble that we're going to be talking about right after this break. 
Follow the main event marks at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod on Twitter at main event underscore marks and on Instagram at main event underscore marks and at main event collector. By God, somebody's interrupting the main event marks. Sit down, JR. It's just me, Kyle Sullivan, a.k.a. Shaggy Von Doom, your host of Here in Puckburg on the Hockey Podcast Network. I know, a hockey show on the main event marks. Who would have thought this is an invasion angle? Somewhere between the Nexus and when WCW tried to invade WWE, you know, somewhere in there. But I'm over here just telling you that one half of your tag team champions over here, Greg, he told his story of his love for the game of hockey over on my show. And if you'd like to hear that story, all you have to do is search here in Puckburg, wherever you get your podcast, or on YouTube. In the meantime, Shagamania's got to go run wild on some other hockey show. So, just remember, quote the Raven, nevermore. Take your vitamins, say your prayers, and oh yeah! Hello everyone, my name is Ryan McCarthy and I'm the host of the No Credentials Required podcast. Start your work week with the Monday Drop-In, where I talk about the sports beat in the Capital District, also known as the Mighty 518, as well as Metro New York sports from an upstate point of view. I also give a life lesson from a weekly sports story, so you might learn something from that. I also have a midweek podcast where I interview different sports personalities and talk about a wide array of topics. Take a listen and subscribe on your preferred podcast app, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Spreaker, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and iHeartRadio. Also check out our social media channels on Twitter and Instagram, BellyUpNCR, and Facebook.com forward slash BellyUpSportsNCR. We're a part of the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network in association with Godzilla Media. No credentials required, where you don't need a press pass to talk sports. The main event marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Find all of our links on our link tree at linktr.ee forward slash main event marks. And we're back. We're back. WWF Royal Rumble 1997. The date was January 19th, 1997. Tagline. It's stoked. Going to the same building for the same event. That building looks cool. Like, uh, I, the way they, uh, way they did it up for both of the rumbles, um, was pretty awesome. I'm not going to set the attendance record though. Yeah. Because my Golden State Warriors just took that record. Damn it. Yeah. I forgot. (laughs) I totally forgot about that. And didn't, uh, and Meltzer disputed that too. Yeah. Cause you know, he's there with his little clicker. What an idiot. <laughs> like, wh- I would think you'd be pro inflating it. Cause he likes the warriors. He's just a weird, weird dude. Like he wants to argue with effing everybody. It's like grandpa. But, yep. Well, this is uh January 19th, 1997. The tagline, no more Mr. Nice Guy. And who are we talking about? <laughs> I don't know. Because uh, I don't think there's any heel turn here. So, no. which is what that tagline suggests to me. Well, I think it just means uh, Sean isn't following the rules anymore. I which, thought the tagline was remember the rumble. That was night. That was the next time they went there. Was it 2017? Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, the uh, the venue was the Alamo Dome in San Antonio, Texas. Attendance sixty thousand four hundred seventy seven at a pay per view buy rate of well, actually two. <laughs> well, WWF Royal Rumble drew the second largest paid attendance in U.S. wrestling history. 
The only larger paid attendance was for WrestleMania 3, which drew 78,000 fans. Uh, no, it was 93,000 fans. Yeah. Uh, WrestleMania 8 has or had more people in the building than this Rumble event, but <sighs> WrestleMania yeah, 8 was heavily knows. tapered. Yeah. Uh, but yep, WrestleMania... I'm sure he has the books, too. Sorry. Well, here's the caveat. Uh, they did have more people in the building. However, it was heavily papered and not ne- uh, and not nearly as many of those fans paid. Uh, WrestleMania, where did WrestleMania 8 take place? Uh, uh, the Hoosier Dome. Was that also Hoosier Dome? Okay. 8, right? Uh, yeah. 8 was an indie. Okay. Well, yeah. I don't know. Why, why the hell would they heavily paper that one? Like, I don't know. What the hell is there to do in Indy? That's true. They have a beautiful arena they could do WrestleMania at now, but to your point, oh, yeah. they, they, oh. they try to do WrestleMania uh, at like more destination areas now, which I totally understand. So there's zero chance well, the that everyone... Two. So the next two are um, LA and Philly. Yeah. And they usually stick to New York, Philly... Anywhere, California. I have a feeling uh, forty-one is going to be. I have a. I have a feeling forty-one is going to be in Vegas. Yeah, that would be another one. Uh, I. I can't. Have they ever done one in Vegas? I don't think so. Have they? Yeah, WrestleMania Nine, the all-faded one. Oh, okay. Remember, uh, I sent yeah. you a picture of the venue when I was in Vegas for SummerSlam last year. Like this, WrestleMania uh, Nine was. Maybe I remember. <laughs> but well. Either way, uh, but the WWF sold 20,000 Rumble tickets in the last few days, due mostly to $5 and $7 discount coupons from local Taco Bells. Can I get that, Can I get that for this one, damn? Yeah, right. I remember Pritchard talking about this promotion. Uh, because of those cheap tickets, the show didn't break Sorry, did any... Sorry, Taco Bell? Yes. Wow, so many jokes with that. How stereotypical of them. But because of so many cheap tickets, the show didn't break many of the gate, uh, many gate records. Uh, plus, when you factor in the massive amount of money spent on advertising, the show wasn't as big of a moneymaker as one might expect. It was still profitable, but not hugely so. Uh, I can't. I mean, yeah, he knows. Well, we could say about Dave saying that, but it was like Bruce Pritchard did talk about that. He said they just they wanted to have a full building at all cost. And they spared no expense. They did a crap ton of advertising. They gave away cheap-ass tickets to Taco Bell because they wanted to fill that damn dome. They came Ironically, close. the current one this year is going to be the biggest gate restaurant in history. That's nuts. That's pretty sweet, though. No hey, help uh, Taco Bell. I wonder if they, I wonder if they like uh, the University of Texas in uh, uh, San Antonio or if they have a different team that they like down there. Because, uh, hey... Cody's papa was a was a big University of Texas fan. Maybe he could uh, rock some. Oh, screw them! Go blue. Uh, no, no, go scarlet and gray. Damn it! Yeah. But we start the show with a video about Shawn Michaels' boyhood dream that we've heard about a million times. They then transition into saying that the hometown boy returns tonight as a man. Commentary team for the evening. Oh, you is- keep us here. <laughs> The uh, commentary team. For Do you remember that? <laughs> no. It was on the, one of the very first episodes of Fresh Prince. It said, enter his boys, leave his men. How long oh. are you going to keep us here? <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> <laughs> ah, wow. 
Uh, but the commentary team for the evening is a three-man booth of good old JR, Jim Ross, Jerry Lawler, and Vince McMahon. Uncle Dave notes that after several years of trying, they finally got Jim Ross to wear the black cowboy hat as a full-time gimmick. A few years ago, when Ross was fired from the WWF, he was fired for numerous reasons, but one of them was his refusal to go along with WWF, wanting to portray him as good old JR and wear a cowboy hat. I how times have changed. Yep. Well, the Bruce Pritchard talked about that. He said they had the hardest damn time. They thought he said, "Oh, Ross thought now we you, were ribbing him." I can't even picture him without the damn hat now. Right. Yeah, he said, oh, he just thought we were ribbing him and we were making fun of him and whatever. And oh, you're just making fun of us southern folk. Think we're all damn cowboys like on Dallas. And he said, uh, finally, we got him. He's like, now you can't get the damn hat off him. It's literally his trademark. Yep. He wrote a book called From Under the Black Hat. There you go. But he can make this stuff up, guys. Yep. Well, it's kind of like, I mean, you think about some of the gimmicks in WWF. It's like some of them were stupid when you really think about it. But like IRS. Iconic. Everybody remembers IRS. He wasn't a main eventer or anything, but he was a tag champ. He was there for a while, had a good run. And I guarantee more people know him as IRS than as Mike Rotunda. Yeah, go Syracuse. <laughs> good Lord. Uh, but our first match of the evening you know, you is... Have to, you have to imagine that he thought it was a rib because of the polka dots on Dusty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which, by the way, is also iconic. It is. I know but... that's like debated debate today. Was it a rib? Like, how else would he now be paid tribute to if he didn't have those polka dots? Like, that's what they do now. Like, Seth Rollins at Hell in Cell wore the polka dots on his tights. Right. Like, what Hell else yeah. would you pay tribute to that man? I think Cody even wore polka dots a few times. I know he did at Stardust. Ah, but our first match of the evening here is Hunter Hearst Helmsley with Mr. Hughes in his corner. He's defending yeah, that the, makes sense. He's defending the WWF Intercontinental title against Gold Dust. This goes just shy of 17 minutes. After Gold Dust's entrance, we get a play-up video for the match. They did this a few times. They bleep out Lawler asking Gold Dust if he's the keyword. <laughs> I'm I'm not gonna repeat it, but y'all know what I mean. Uh, Goldust jumps Helmsley in the aisleway, begging the question, what good is Mr. Hughes? Uh, Goldust- I just want to say that Jerry Lawler could have used any other bad profanity, but he picked the least offensive one. Yeah, right. He didn't drop the F word or nothing like that. So I, kudos, I guess. I don't know. And now today they've co-opted that word and some some uh, gay people or what? I don't even know, but they refer to themselves as being queer. So it's not even a. a it's been on the damn anymore. Simpsons. We're crying out loud. Yep. Do you remember that? Do you remember that episode? Uh, Homer was kind of like it's kind of like creeped out by him, and the guy's like, "Homer, is nothing wrong with being queer." He goes, "Another thing. <laughs> That's our work making fun of you." Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. But yeah. Once it's on so, the Simpsons, I think it's fair game for everybody. Pretty much. But yeah. So, just to recap, Goldust jumps Helmsley right in front of his bodyguard, and. <laughs> Hughes just stands there and looks at him. Bell has not rung, by the way, so you can't be... With that snarl on his face. Yeah. But Goldust then uses the steel steps right in front of the referee and doesn't get disqualified. This begs the question, what good is Earl Hebner? Goldust works Triple H's uh, legs the entire match. Hunter tries to use Marlena... the leg! Hunter tries to use Marlena's di- uh, director's chair. What? And Earl Hebner... So, What? All I heard was you say, 
Goldust trying to use Marlene's di- directorship. Di- di- <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I can't oh, remember today, but but uh, Hunter tries to use Marlene's director chair, and Earl Hebner takes it from him, fin- finally doing his job here. Uh, during the match, Todd Pettengale interviews some country singer named Colin Ray in the crowd. Todd why, why the hell is this happening? I mean, in the middle of a title match, you're like, yeah, let's break away to talk to this guy. Who cares? Then Curtis Hughes distracts the ref while Helmsley gets the IC title, but Marlena distracts him. He kisses her, and Goldust takes the IC title, blasts Helmsley with it. Then Hughes pulls Helmsley out of the ring, breaking the pin and not drawing a DQ for some damn reason. Helmsley distracts Did we Gold- how all the way live she was looking? Well, I think that goes without saying, but... <laughs> but either way, uh, Hughes distracts Goldust long enough for Helmsley to sneak in, hit the pedigree, and win. Uh, I gave this, I thought it was, I don't know, between two and a half, three stars. Uncle Dave gave it two. What say you? I gave it two. It's just kind of funny yeah. looking at this now. I'm like, one of these guys is running a company. The other guy is training guys to wrestle in another company. Yeah, oh, right. Man, it's kind of crazy looking like that. Yep. And this match was just okay. But we now go to pre-recorded videos of Bret Hart Or they have a far worse one next month. Yeah. We go to a pre-recorded video of Bret Hart talking in the locker room about uh, being a marked man and having to move forward in the Royal Rumble. Uh, he then, or we then switched to Mankind in the boiler room, saying that he's got a chance tonight to hurt a lot of people. Cool. But then we go to this. It's Farouk with the Nation of Domination taking on Ahmed Johnson. It goes just shy of nine minutes. Yeah. Well, after PG-13 wraps the Nation to the ring, we get a play-up package for the match, reminding us of Ahmed getting the whole you're going down chant going. God. That sucked. I know this uh, is like a different time and era. You couldn't say very many things, except for apparently the Q word on TV. But you could right. come up, couldn't come up with something better than you're going down. Nope, that was it. <laughs> but uh, they also recaps the various injuries between Ahmed and Farouk and the racial components to this feud. <sighs> but this one gets jump started, just like we covered one. this in one of our previous episodes. Yep. Yeah, uh, I think uh, Farouk calls him Uncle Tom on TV. Yeah, right. Yeah, if there's and a then he keeps saying he's going to come on, to his house and whip his black ass. Yeah, if there's sure a label why that needs to be said. on Ahmed Johnson, it wouldn't be Uncle Tom. <laughs> but either way, uh, Johnson ends up grabbing a belt and whipping Farouk at one point. This match was pretty rough, I'll say. Uh, Ahmed and Farouk. <laughs> and, and this is even the end of it either. <laughs> no. <laughs> on the night... <laughs> Uh, Ahmed has Farouk dead to rights, and then Crush gets in and attacks him, drawing the DQ. Uncle Dave gave it a star and a half. I give it two. What say you? Give it one. I think you both overdid it. Yeah, it sucks. I don't know. But all the members of the Nation of Domination get in the ring now and attack Ahmed Johnson, getting taken out one at a time. Ahmed walks after Farouk, and a random member of the Nation jumped Ahmed from behind. Ahmed... I said chases, but he basically walks the guy back to the ring. Hey, Michael and, Myers. Him. And all the way back to the commentary tables, he sets up the steel steps and hits the Pearl River plunge on that guy through the French announce table. Now, I thought that was the best part of the whole match. Right. Ah, man. Yeah, and that's a famous gif as well, because they show it like four or five times. 
Uh, we go to uh, pre-recorded this, comments. Also, this this whole thing reminded me of how much I love Dominic Johnson. I really thought he was going to be huge. Yeah, Yay. I know. Ah, but we now go to pre-recorded comments from Terry Funk. He taped his he was taping his fists up and saying that he's Texas born and Texas bred, and he was born to rumble. And your mother's a whore. My horse is not sick, so I'm going to make it tonight. But we now go to Todd Pettengill standing by with Farouk and the Nation Domination. Uh, who the hell told Todd to shave his head and grow a goatee? <laughs> oh, man. You, had a, you had the most perfect mullet, man, in the world. You shaved that? Right? You should be ashamed of yourself. Not even in a hair versus hair match, either. But Farouk yells at the members of the Nation of Domination for not helping him out enough. And then he says he's going to put down Ahmed Johnson in the Rumble tonight. Sure. Sure. We now yeah, get... it's, it's the most embarrassing thing ever. He kind of steps all <laughs> over some commentary you heard a couple rumbles prior. Right. <sighs> well, I'll mention now that. Get... We now get this. It's Vader versus The Undertaker. 13 minutes yeah. and 19 seconds. This is the first time that we see the moving circular light truss during The Undertaker's entrance. I thought that looked pretty damn cool. It did. Uh, in the middle of this match, Todd Pittengell interviews some random family in the crowd that came all the way from Alaska for this show. Again, I ask, why? Paul Bear comes you said out. It in the, you said it earlier in the show. They're just trying to make this show huge. Yeah. We like, got celebrities no one's ever heard of. Families from, coming from far away. <laughs> but you got to interview these people in the middle of a damn match. Just why, man? But Paul Bearer comes out with the urn mid-match. The Undertaker goes outside and socks him in the face. Uh, Undertaker gets Bearer in the ring, and Bearer begs for mercy. But Vader saves him from being choke-slammed. Bearer, <laughs> at one point, the Undertaker's outside of the ring, and Bearer jumps off the apron with the urn and bashes it in the back of Undertaker's head, and in the process, falls sure, flat on his ass. <laughs> 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 like, Damn. Uh, Taker gets back in the ring, and Vader hits the Vader bomb to win. I kind of like this match. I gave it two and a half. Uncle Dave gave it a star and a quarter. Let's say you. I gave it one. I hated this. Wow. Wow. Uh, hard to watch. Yeah, I don't know. I dug this match. I don't know. I mean, it wasn't anything amazing, but yeah. But the Undertaker. Considering what up. it could have been with these two, yeah, I mean, it was bad. I thought. Yeah, I get that. But the Undertaker wakes up, gets angry, and chokeslams a referee. I feel like that particular referee... And yet Ken Shamrock gets thrown in jail for doing that. <laughs> right. Wasn't that Chad Patton? Yeah, the blonde guy? I believe his given Christian name is referee Chad Patton. Oh, well, yes, of course. I feel like he would always meet the Undertaker's wrath. I don't know why. <laughs> he was probably a wrestler back in the day and could take it. Right. Well, Taker then destroys the ringside area. And he even yells something at Vince McMahon before leaving for the backstage. Now we go to video of Stone Cold why? Steve. Uh, why what? What do you yell at Vince McMahon? I, I have no freaking clue. He yelled something. <laughs> I couldn't. I tried listening in. I'm like, what the hell do you even say? And they don't mention it. It just kind of happens and they move on. I'm like, okay. I've a lot in this era. I'm like, Bret Hart would do it. Austin would do it. <laughs> right. We now get a video of Stone Cold Steve Austin walking backstage saying that he's going to throw 30 or excuse me, 29 other pieces of trash over the top rope. We then see in the great the state Brit of Texas. 
We then see the British Bulldog coming into the arena, asking fans if they're ready for the Royal Rumble and saying that he's going to win because he's bizarre. What? Like, what? I think he's talking so, about Goldust. Like, so you're weird? That means you're going to win? Like, I don't, I don't get it. <sighs> anyway. That's right. I better oh, sing no. like Mamacita. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but up next, we get this. It is the trios match. The team of Fuerza Guerrera, Heavy Metal, and Jerry Estrada are taking on Paraguayo, Kanek, and Hector Garza. It goes just shy of 11 minutes. I like how, for the AAA match, Vince McMahon says, you can only see a spectacle like this in the World Wrestling Federation. Well, do you uh, know that WCW is about to blow that wide open on Nitro in a couple weeks? Well, there's that, plus the fact that it's like, um, these are AAA wrestlers. You can only see this in the world. Like, what? Okay. So, this is what I was talking about. Vince can't tell the difference between Heavy Metal and Jerry Estrada throughout the match. I didn't catch that. Yeah, I swear, every time Heavy Metal would do something, he'd call him Jerry Estrada, and every time Jerry Estrada would do something, he'd call him Heavy Metal. I'm like, he had me questioning. I'm like, are, wait, are those the... Am I wrong? Heavy Metal is very distinguishable. Well, both of them were... I mean, they, they wore similar clothes. It, it's like, okay, Heavy Metal, whatever. And they had long, dark hair. So, I like... I don't know. But in the end, Connect presses... Uh, press slams heavy metal. Pero Aguayo grazes him with a double foot stomp and then drops an elbow on him and pins him to win. Uncle Dave said, despite a heavy Hispanic crowd, no one seemed to care about the AAA guys on this show, even though many said that the, the two AAA dark matches before the show went live on pay-per-view were the best matches of the night. <sighs> who was who saying that? Uncle Dave. God. Yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, oh, I forgot the ratings. I gave it Two and a half stars. I thought it was average. Uh, Uncle Dave gave it a star. Let's see you. I gave it two. It was fun. Yeah, it was. It was watchable. I didn't think it was horrible. I did. You know that every it. single AAA guy in this had the most generic uh, mariachis or Mexican music, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> yep. Uh, Dude, well, that's just there, lazy, there go, man. Yep. It's the luchas. <laughs> <laughs> But Howard Finkel is in the ring next and announces the attendance of six thousand, or excuse me, sixty thousand four hundred seventy-seven. Well, actually, explains, he then explains the rules of the Royal Rumble to the crowd. And As now, only the Fink can for five minutes. Exactly. Now we get the thirty-man Royal Rumble match. It goes fifty minutes twenty-nine seconds. So Crush of the Nation of Domination is number one, and Ahmed Johnson's number two. The fake Razor Ramon comes in at three and instantly gets tossed by Ahmed. Farouk comes out to distract Ahmed Johnson, and Johnson eliminates himself to run after Farouk to the back. And this is when I was talking about they stepped on some commentary from prior years. Because I think it was 1992, Macho Man jumps over the top rope to go get Jake the Snake. And he gets back in, and Gorilla Monsoon flat out says, you have to be propelled or thrown out. Yet Ahmed is just out. Well, his commentary was kind of messed up that, that same night, because before he said that, uh, the big boss man ran at the ropes, hit them, and flopped out. So, and that counted. So, whatever. I mean, he he did the best he could. His Macho Man effed up, but yikes. Either way, Phineas Macho I Man messing up in a Royal Rumble is kind of a thing. You remember he tried to pin Yokozuna in 1993? <laughs> <laughs> God. But Phineas I. Godwin enters in at number four to brawl with Crush. Number five is Stone Cold Steve Austin. Austin comes off the second rope for Phineas, 
misses and hits Crush. Then Phineas eliminates Crush. Austin then hits a Stone Cold Stunner on Phineas and eliminates him. Bart Gun comes out at number six. Did you know what Phineas take- I Godwin if you take the initials of Sales Pig? Of course. <laughs> but uh, Bart Gun comes well, out at number we six. We mention that every time we talk about them on the show. Off. Oh, have to. That doesn't take Austin Oh, you didn't. Long I was trying to cover your ass. Well, thank you for that. Uh, but Austin tosses Bart in short order. A very out-of-shape-looking Jake the Snake Roberts enters at number seven. He gets dumped out as the British Bulldog enters at number eight. Kiroff is the first AAA wrestler to enter at number nine. As usual, Bulldog has a good showing in the Rumble. Number ten is the Sultan, the future Rikishi, coming out with the Iron Sheik, who would win the Gimmick Battle Royal at WrestleMania 17. The legendary Mil Mascaris enters the Rumble at number 11. 12 is Hunter Hearst Helmsley. We're on him in a minute. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, The ring is filling up. Bulldog clotheslines the Sultan out of the ring for the elimination. And Owen Hart is out at lucky number 13. There's a pile up. Owen helps with it. And the Bulldog ends up getting eliminated. He shouts at Owen before leaving. Yeah. And that becomes a thing for the next couple of weeks on TV, by the way. Uh, Of course it does. Uh, Goldust comes out at number 14. Entering at number 15 is Cybernetico. Cybernetico and then Piroff get eliminated, and then Mil Mascaris dives off the top rope out of the <laughs> uh, out on top of Piroff to eliminate himself. He's the second idiot in this match. Uh, Wildman Mark Miro comes out at number Wasn't 16. Wasn't there a story behind that? He didn't want to get tossed out? Yes. So yeah. they made a compromise to make him look like a moron. But uh, uh, he apparently said yes, to be fair. <laughs> yep. Oh, well, yeah, I'm not blaming WWF. But Mark Merrow and Goldust both eliminate Helmsley. Uh, we get Latin Lover entering at number 17. <laughs> Owen Hart dumps Goldust out before Farouk enters at number 18. Farouk back body drops Latin Lover out of the ring before Ahmed Johnson runs out with a giant plank of wood smacking Farouk out over the top rope with it. With the most horrible smacks I've ever seen in my life, by the way. Yeah, I'm like, dude, can you not control that thing? What the hell? Uh, yeah, like my 90-pound tries- sister could probably do a better swing with that board than that. Right. Uh, Owen Hart tries to eliminate Mark Marrow, and the camera completely misses Steve Austin dumping them both out. Good Don't job, worry, this replay. <laughs> Number 19 is Savio Vega, who goes in hard on Austin until getting a stun gun and clotheslined out over the top rope. Double J, Jesse James comes out at number 20. Oh, real Austin double tosses- J. Yes. Uh, Austin tosses him in short order. We now get the famous meme of Austin sitting on the top rope, Bret Hart's music hitting for number 21, and Austin grabbing his head, looking shocked. These two beat the tar out of each other for a little while. For Jerry the King Lawler gets off commentary to enter at number 22. <laughs> he jumps over the top rope into the ring. Bret Hart punches him and knocks him right out. At this point, well, there's the few that will never die. Right. It's like, good lord, guys. But fake Diesel now comes out at number 23. Number 24 is the legendary Terry Funk. Rocky Maivia is number 25. Mankind 26. Flash Funk 27. And number 28 is Vader. And then number 29 is a Henry. big, nasty grizzly bear. <laughs> wow. The Mastodon. <clears throat> and number 29 is Henry O. Godwin, Hog. And so then... I watched Royal Rumble 96 uh, a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. You know, it was Vader's debut. And Vince McMahon straight up calls him the WWF's Mastodon. He really, really didn't want to call him that, didn't he? 
glad they talked him out of it, but good lord. But the final buzzer goes off, and entering the match at number 30 is The Undertaker. All the lights drop when he enters, and once you know it's going to be him, because for some reason, the announcers tell us it is. Yeah, right. I'm like, really? The, uh, that probably sucked for the guys in the ring. It's like, ah, crap, the lights. They had a lot of say we should have the whole Royal Rumble like this. <clears throat> oh, my God. Yeah, he did. That. Yeah. I didn't catch that. Ironically, wow. at this third Royal Rumble coming up, we're going to have a pitch black match, and I think it's going to be like that. Oh, they haven't Lord. said what it is yet. That's probably, nice. probably what's going to be. Well, uh, Undertaker uh, comes right in and goes after Vader and Mankind. Vader chucks Flash Funk over the uh, over his head and outside of the ring. Undertaker grabs Henry Godwin by his throat and throws him out over the top. Mankind grabs Rocky with a mandible claw and shoves him out over the top rope. Mankind lands on the apron and pulls uh, Flash Funk out <laughs> over the top. I just had a flashback real quick. We said Rocky eliminated when I was a kid. I loved Rocky when I was like one of the few, apparently. And I thought yeah, right. the end of his winning streak. Oh, damn. <laughs> no, he doesn't count. Yep. Either way, Mankind pulls Flash Funk out over the top, and then Funk pulls Mankind outside to eliminate him as well. Uh, the refs are distracted by Mankind refusing to leave as Bret Hart tosses Steve Austin. Austin gets right back in the ring since nobody saw him be eliminated, and he tosses the Undertaker invader. Bret Hart eliminates Diesel right before Austin runs up behind Bret and chucks him out over the top rope to win. Uncle Dave and I both gave this three stars. What say you? Same. Yeah, cool rumble. Cool way to. I thought it was an underrated rumble, finish. actually. Yeah, uh, some pretty good names in this one. Uh, it's an original way to to uh, end that one. It was different. But after the match, Stone Cold immediately gets out of the ring and walks to the back, celebrating. Red Hart throws an absolute fit, throwing referees and shouting or shoving. Yeah, Red Hart's crying shouting. again. Also new. <laughs> he even grabs Vince McMahon and shouts at him uh, about it before storming off to the backstage area. We hear Shawn Michaels, uh, or we now hear that Shawn Michaels has the flu before we go to an interview with him from earlier in the day. He says he's nervous about tonight, that he won't use that flu as an excuse because tonight he's going to become the WWF champion again. And that takes us to our uh, second to last break of the podcast. When we come back, it's main event time right after this. Follow the main event marks at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod on Twitter at main event underscore marks and on Instagram at main event underscore marks and at main event collector. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. My name is Thomas, and what's your name? Uh, I'm Alan. Alan. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. We're brothers. That's right. Yeah. yeah the that. mother, same mother and father. Your room was... Oh, we shared a room. Shared a room. For we right? shared a room. I thought I knew your face. Yeah, we go way way back, mate. Yeah. Yeah. We should do a podcast then. Uh, we have. We do, we do a podcast. We do a podcast. What's it called? The Brocast. Yeah, that was planned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what do we do? Well, we cover all different things in the world of pop culture. We're talking about comic books, we're talking professional wrestling, and we're talking about movies. Go back and watch classic retro wrestling events, the likes of WWE, WCW, and if you do like that, you can check us out on Apple iTunes, also on Podbean, Anchor, and on Podknife. Also check us out on Twitter, at The Broadcast. That's B-R-O. Yeah, hey, 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 it's all right. Good on you. Yeah. Instagram also at the broadcast podcast. Remember, we don't spell it with a C, we spell it with a K. Slow, mate. Take it easy. The main event 
and Marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Find all of our links on our link tree at linktr.ee forward slash main event marks. And we're back. We're back. Main event time. It's Psycho Sid defending the WWF World Heavyweight title against uh, Shawn Michaels with Jose Lothario in his corner. This goes just shy of 14 minutes. During Sean's entrance, we see that moving circular lighting truss again. Uh, that one I, I always remembered because they, they let you know how big the arena is. The crowd's going nuts. They just show you the, the whole atmosphere during his, his entrance. It's awesome. Uh, definitely a big fight feel. But obviously, HBK gets cheered like a god. It's his hometown, so of course. And I think this is the only place where Psycho Sid actually got booed for obvious reasons. But even then, he wasn't, like, fully booed because, like, on his way to the ring, he's still fist-bumping people. Like, I was like, wow. Uh, he, he just, we always talked about he had it. Fans loved him for, you know, whatever reason. You and I, I we always talked about we were big Sid fans back in the day. He's the man. So, Who's the man? He'll tell you. Yeah, right. Well, he always asked the question. I don't know if he ever answered it. So he was just like, he's like, no, seriously, who is the man? Uh, but anyway, and then Rhino ripped that off years later. Uh, but I always loved his name, by the way, like with the pyro shooting off, like uh, lighting up his yeah, name. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah, I know the the warrior did that with his his logo, but with Sid having the pyro, that that was that was sweet. So at one point, uh, Sid catches the sweet chin music and throws Michaels outside of the ring. And then he power bombs him on the outside mat. Sid goozles Jose Lothario, and then Jose's thun, uh, son Pete comes up and he goozles him too. Pat Patterson runs up and uh, finally stops him from doing anything to Lothario's. And Sid gets back in the ring. Ref gets bumped now, and Sid drops Michaels with a choke slam. And a new referee runs out for a near fall. Sid knocks that referee out for you know reasons. You look kind of funny. <laughs> I guess so. Count faster, damn it. Count like we do in Arkansas. One, two, uh, uh, the number after two. Two and a half. Anyway, <laughs> right. But HPK grabs a camera and blasts Sid in the back and then in the head. The first referee wakes up to count, but it's only a two. Michaels finally tunes up the band. Sid stands up and Michaels finally connects with Sweet Chin Music to win the WWF World title. Uncle Dave only gave this the deuce. I gave it three stars. I thought the the drama kind of brought it up a notch. What say you? I gave it three as well. It was it was a it was a fun match. It wasn't like technically sound or whatever, but I don't think it needs to be, you know, some Tokyo Dome main event to be a great match. But well, I I I don't know. Well, actually, that. yeah, we shouldn't say that to old Uncle Dave. Nope, it's got to be 60 minutes. It's got to have two Japanese guys in it. Two, damn it. Main event, Tokyo Dome, seven stars. Uh, but now Jose Lothario celebrates with Sean. It's in the dome, that's halfway, right? Yeah. Uh, Jose Lothario celebrates with Sean in the ring, hugging him with the WWF title. Uh, Sean's parents also celebrate in the front row as the crowd just explodes. The babies get thrown in the air. Sean walks around hugging his family and friends and just random fans in the crowd. 
and he climbs on the commentary table and shakes his ass in Vince McMahon's face. That was something. The ass is masculine, pal. Twerking wasn't a thing in 1997, but uh, Shawn Michaels damn near invented it right here. <laughs> but, hey, how many times can you say, hey, I shook my ass in my boss's face? And got away with it. Yeah, and, uh, and, and it was fine. He laughed it off. Ha ha, god dang it, pal. Good game. But anyway, that wraps up the show. I guess we're going to take our final break. When we come back, it's final ratings time. We'll tell you what's coming up in February here on the podcast. Follow the main event marks at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod on Twitter at main event underscore marks and on Instagram at main event underscore marks and at main event collector. What's up, everybody? I am the hardest part of the ring, the host of the Apron Bump podcast. Ugh. Another wrestling podcast. How many times can I listen to fans tell me who needs a push, who doesn't need a push, who brings Vince's coffee these days? Enough! The Apron Bump is about the journey. It's about nostalgia. It's about discovering new forms of wrestling to really tickle your pickle as a wrestling fan. The podcast brings you reviews of wrestling events all over the world, whether it's WWF, WWE, WCW, ECW. We even cover the golden eras of Ring of Honor, Progress, TNA, and more promotions in the future as well. New episodes every Wednesday. Bump day. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Go to apronbump.com or go to your favorite podcast platform or YouTube and subscribe today for the most diverse, fan-friendly wrestling podcast in the world. I'm hard. The main event marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Find all of our links on our link tree at linktr.ee forward slash main event marks. And we're back. We're back. Final ratings time. People didn't like this one as much as I did. Uh, Internet Movie Database gave it 6.6 out of 10. Cagematch.net only gave it 5.98 out of 10. I gave it 8 out of 10. I had fun watching this. What say you? I had a lot of fun watching it. I said B plus. Yeah, it was uh, it was cool. I, I not everything out of nineteen ninety seven was like, oh my god, that that show top to bottom, so good. But I, I feel like a lot of fun shows came out of nineteen ninety seven. I, I I enjoyed a lot of them, especially on the channel. Yeah, yeah. WCW had some bangers. WWF had some fun shows. Banger after banger. <laughs> it was a it was a good time had by all. ECW was. Uh, there, you know, so ECW <laughs> already right. did that, yes. But that, uh, that brings us to the end of the show, which means we should probably tell you now that we're wrapping up the first month of 2023. And you know, that the calendar page turned, Greg, which means that it was an, a new life for everybody, yeah. Everything's Just, great now, everyone's out of debt, right? The, the gas, everybody that died is coming back. Yeah, all the gas prices are low. People can afford everything now. Yeah, it's it's great. Stupid mentality. Sorry, if you have the mentality, you're an idiot. Oh, <laughs> can't wait for the year to be over. Oh, God, it really be different. Here's, what? What's different? In 2023, well, tell me right now, what's different than at the end of the year last year? I heard one person talk about that where they say, oh, you know, all the people. It's like, oh, new year, new me, whatever. And they're like, why do you have to wait until January 1st to start? It's like... Just like people with like weight loss or whatever. It's like, uh, yeah, if, my if gym is all set filled. Yep. Yeah. It's like 
if if you're I go every day. Wait, people all of a sudden come out January first is like your day all of a sudden. Right. It's like if you have to wait until January first to start something that you know you need to do, then you don't take it that seriously. Unless and for some really crazy reason you don't get the money until January first. Yeah, I, something like that makes sense. Um, the other thing would be like, I guess a diet. You know, if you're waiting until after the holidays, you know, whatever. Because I'm sorry, during Thanksgiving and Christmas, I'm not really watching too much what I eat. But between the holidays, I guess I tried a little bit. But either way, uh, what we are watching is in February. February 1st, we are going back to the NWA in 1990. It's Russell War 1990 Wild Thing. That's a really weird name for the show, but... Uh, Rick Flair is in the main event, defending the NWA title against Lex Luger. Also, the Road Warriors are taking on the Skyscrapers in a Chicago street fight. Should be fun. February 8th. I love uh, when they always do that. Wherever they are, they got to put that title in the front of the street fight. <laughs> now, what, what makes this different as a Chicago street fight rather than, uh, say, a, I don't know, a Puerto Rico street fight? I, that's, that's what I want to know. Do you remember but, in WCW when they had, like, like they always had those evening gown matches. One time they just happened to be in New York, so they called it a New York evening gown match. Because, you know, New York <laughs> evening gowns are far different than any other evening gowns. Oh, yeah, right. Uh, the only one I thought was kind of clever was the ROTC match. It stood for Rip Off the Camouflage. Like, okay. That's one of my, that's that's... One of my all-time favorite matches right there. Oh, of course. I, I will say kind of clever. Perverted, but clever. Uh, February 8th, speaking of ECW... I'm just telling you that that idiot sees initials and always thinks about nudity. <laughs> well, of course. Bro, nudity. Also, abuse, bro. <laughs> bro, abuse them while they're nude, bro. Hey, get them naked, beat them down, bro. He would. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, we're I don't know if you're funny. That's something like something he would say. Of course. We're going 24 years back in the past for our February 8th show. It's ECW's Crossing the Line Way back 99. This one, I picked it because at least part of the card looks good. The main event is Rob Van Dam defending the TV title against Jerry Lynn. And then we can never go got, wrong with those two. It's impossible. Yeah, even their, you know, their matches that were okay are better than most matches. Also, we've got Super Crazy taking on Yoshihiro Tajiri on that card. They had uh, one of the longest running, most memorable feuds in ECW. That just frenemies, right? Like sometimes they were together, sometimes they were feuding off and on. And it seems like I don't think that feud ever ended. It just kept going in perpetuity. February fifteenth, though, we're going a little bit, slightly more current. It's WCW Super Brawl Dos. In 1992, Lex Luger defends the WCW title against Sting! And Rick Rude defends the U.S. title against Ricky Steamboat. This card looks pretty good, I I will say. Uh, looking forward to watching that. I actually like WCW in 1992. Uh, I think 92 is a forgotten, really good year in wrestling for both companies. But, I don't know. Uh, that's also double main event week, which means the bonus show on the 17th is WWF Raw from February 5th, 2001. It's the last ever Raw from the Georgia Dome. Uh, the la- the next time they were in there, wasn't it WrestleMania 27 they had in the Georgia Dome? Oh, yeah, that was a classic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what a way to send it off, eh? It's like, 
uh, before we destroy this thing, let's really destroy this thing. And then uh, February 22nd, wrapping up the month, we're going back to TNA. It's our first TNA show of the month or the year. It's Against All Odds 2012. Bobby Roode defends the TNA title against Bully Ray, Jeff Hardy, and James Storm. Plus, this is the show where in the opening match, Jesse Sorensen gets a pretty damn scary injury. That uh, One of the most routine basic moves, too, that you've seen a million times. Yeah. Uh, didn't he take like a... When, when, it was a loose uh, off the outside, and he tried to catch him. Yeah, that's what happened. Yeah, I think his his like knee came like tomahawk down on top of his head. Yeah, it's a freak it's, accident, man. Yeah, it's brutal. It sucked, man. Like, and like, not only was it a worry that he'd never wrestle again, but there for a while, nobody knew if he would ever walk again. It was it was brutal. But either way, that is February. Looking forward to it. Thank you for joining me today, Greg. Yep. Uh, We will see you all next week with Russell War 1990.